Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join national presenter and consultant Rory Rowland as he discusses another aspect of powerful coaching and how it transforms people to improve your organization. Good morning, everyone. We're here this morning with Meredith Elliott Powell. She is a business keynote speaker and business growth strategist. Uh, she was voted one of the top 15 business growth experts by Currency Fair. She's a master certified strategist, executive coach, and a certified speaking professional. She's the author of five books. One is entitled Winning in the Trust Value Economy. And her newest book is what we're going to talk about today is Own It, Refining Responsibility, Stories of Power, freedom, and purpose. So, Meredith, welcome this morning to our podcast. I am excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure. When I when I heard you speak earlier, I just like wow, and I'm just so delighted that you uh, accepted the invitation. And tell us a little bit about your book, Own It, because I just think it's so important for people to um, accept awareness and responsibility in their life. So, tell me a little bit about what drove you to write that book, and how did you come to uh, that title, and, and what would you like to, for people to learn out of that book? Well, I love what you just said about it. You know, when I, um, when I first went to my publisher and said, I want to write this book, um, Own It, and I want it to be about responsibility, she said, you can't write about responsibility. Nobody wants to be responsible. And, um, and that was sort of the premise for it, is I thought we're really losing something in, in our society by treating responsibility as a burden rather than seeing it for the freedom that it is. Because when I take responsibility, in my opinion, it means I'm taking back the power. I'm putting the, um, all, anything that, that needs to be figured out, I'm going to take the ownership of figuring that out. And I think that's the path, of, path to freedom and success rather than waiting for somebody else to come along um, and do it, do it for you. Yeah, don't be rescued. Do it yourself. Um, I heard a, a sermon one day by uh, uh, our priest, and he said uh, responsibility is actually the ability to respond and yeah. uh, taking that ability to say, I can do this. I can, I can own that. So uh, there's three sections of the book. Tell me about those three sections, yeah. and then we'll talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, the, um, the book was written really because um, I had written a book that was all about how to succeed in today's marketplace. And when I finished writing that book, I had a lot of CEOs, leaders, and business owners come up and say, that's great, but how do we, our biggest problem is we hear what you're saying, but how do we get our employees to hear what we're saying? And what I discovered was succeeding in the economy was challenge number one for leaders today, but challenge number two was to really attract, retain, and fully develop top talent. And so I started researching it, and I figured out the reason that people are having such a problem is the first section of the book, and that is everything about engaging top talent today is different. The way that you did it pre-2008, those strategies don't work post-2008. Then add to that, I started writing for leaders what are the things that, which is the middle section of the book, what do they need to do to really engage today's employees? But then I started thinking, why is it somebody else's responsibility to engage you? I mean, really, if I care more about your career than you do, why should I be caring if you stay in my company long-term or not? So the last section of the book is written for the employee, and I think it's what makes the book 
unique is is that it's written for the employee and it says it's your life, it's your career. What are you doing waiting for somebody to engage you? And it's the exact strategies you need to put yourself in the driver's seat and in charge of your own career. I, I couldn't agree more. I've uh, managed a, a number of organizations and I truly came to this conclusion. If I cared more about their career than they did, that's when I need to fire them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was that it was that tipping point. Uh, I just can't care more than you care about it, and uh, and that was the tipping point. And I think that's just an incredibly uh, powerful tool. So, what are some of the strategies that you recommend for folks to use to help engage those employees in Section Two? Yeah, they, um, you know, well, the first thing that you need to do is really understand why today's employees are different. And, um, you know, in a nutshell, to explain to everybody, is when most of us were growing up, we believed that when we got out of school, we got a job, we believed if we just didn't cause any trouble and we did what we were supposed to do, that that job would always be there, good chance we could get promoted, and we could probably retire there with a pension. Well, nobody today, no matter their age, if they're 55 or they're 21, nobody believes that their job is going to be there forever. I mean, whether we're conscious of it or not, when we enter the building, we are thinking downsizing, outsourcing, artificial intelligence, merger, acquisition. We know that guarantee is off the table. And so leaders have to understand that we don't provide stable environments anymore. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. But you need to embrace that. And when you embrace that, you've got to understand with stability off the table, you've got to be giving employees another reason to engage. And the other reasons are those strategies. Excellent. And uh, I know with my clients, one of the things that I teach them is lifelong learning for your employees. You know, invest in training, invest in learning. Um, and I had a manager come up to me one day, and he said, an employee wants to learn, you know, X. He went to this, it was, basically, he was a teller, and he wanted to learn how to use access. And he goes, why am I going to teach a teller how to use access? And I said, well, what does he want to do? He wants to take the information and create a database for us so it's easier to pull up this information, blah, blah, blah. And, and I said, well, would you rather have a teller, or would you rather have somebody who's looking at the solutions of your problems of your business? And that was really mm -hmm. stunning for him. And I think that's what you're talking about here is, you know, if we don't develop our folks here, then we're, they're going to develop someplace else. You're not going to stop that drive, that, that desire for them to, you know, and here's one of the reasons that people don't engage engaged because here was somebody pushing them back from being engaged. This employee wanted to be engaged and this manager is saying no. Um, and you see that yeah. happening too where, where some managers actually almost say no either uh, overtly or, you know, kind of hidden kind of a, a pushback. Yeah, you know, the, um, you're, I mean, you're making such a great point because, um, you know, it's kind of the age-old problem of leadership. If I train you to do my job, what am I going to do, right? And, um, and one thing that leaders need to understand today is the job that you are doing today is not going to be the job that you're going to be doing next year. And we see the proof in that in the fact that if you see what um, leaders are looking for when they hire people today, it is not technical skill. It is soft skill. And the reason it isn't technical skill is because, one, they feel like they can train you that, train you for that. The other is they know what they are asking you to do this year will not be exactly the same as they're asking you to do next year. So for any leaders listening to this podcast, 
you need to quickly train everybody to be able to do what you need, what you are doing right now, because the only way you're going to advance in your career is if somebody can come behind you and be able to do what you have the ability to do. Excellent, excellent. And uh, in in this book here, I know you talk about coaching quite a bit because you're a certified coach, but you know, is what's one of the aspects that you recommend for folks from a coaching perspective in the book on it? You know, from a coaching perspective, um, first of all, I think coaching needs to be job number one of, of, of leaders today. You know, it's funny, when I was coming up in corporate America, human resources was always a job that was kind of, it was an executive leadership level team member, but they were kind of always off to the side. They were never the integral part of technology or, you know, or sales or something. And today, um, and I write about it in the book, human resources needs to be the number one job of the CEO and the number one job of the leader. Um, your job has got to be to develop people, and very much that is coaching. That is investing in people, as you talked about before. And I'm just going to share one of my major pet peeves, is that um, I watch organizations develop coaching programs a lot. Um, and even if they do it well, even if they have gotten off that confusion of, you know, a, thinking that coaching is a performance review, even if they do coaching incredibly well and they understand what it is, they still don't prioritize it. And what I mean by that is, you know, let's assume that you're my coach and you and I meet twice a month. You'll cancel that to go meet with executive leadership or you'll call me and tell me that a customer has a crisis, so you'll move my coaching session. And that is, that does more to demotivate and disengage employees because the moment that you don't prioritize a coaching session, you send a strong message that says you are not as important as everything else that was on my plate today. doesn't matter what your words say because your actions speak volumes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I couldn't agree more with the challenges of that. If it's going to be a priority, make it a priority. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I couldn't agree more. That is excellent. Then you also talk about, uh, which I think is interesting with the book, but really is ultimately the point of the title, is own it. You talk about it in the third level is why wait for somebody to engage you? Why not get engaged? Mm -hmm. So what are some of the strategies you do there for employees to take responsibility for their own life and say, I'm going to drive my career going forward? Yeah. Um, um, so when I really started studying what companies were doing to engage employees today, it got funny because it almost got like, going to a resort or, you know, or a spa for a weekend. I mean, the perks that companies were trying to give employees to get them to stay long term were, they were like entitlement programs. And I really started to think about that and I thought, can you engage an employee? And the truth is you can't. As a leader, you can create the culture, but whether an employee engages or not is 100% up to them. Um, and so I started to think about that, and I started to think from an employee standpoint, why is the monkey all on the back of the employer? I mean, you're going to be the ultimate beneficiary. You're going to be the one that, if you engage, you know, when, when employees say, I'm just going to show up and get my paycheck, you need to understand that you're the one who's getting hurt. It's, it's not really the company. And so I wanted, to, um, I wanted to give employees some of the tools and things that they would need to really be able to um, engage in their lives and engage in their career. And I'll give you two quick ones. Um, number one is 
leaders need to, um, employees need to take ownership of understanding what the goals um, are of the company and what the expectations are of them. Anybody who is an employee in a company needs to go sit down and talk to their leader and say, what are the top five things our company needs to accomplish this year, and what are the top five things you need from me to make that happen? You need to be clear on expectations and what's required of you. Um, and the second is, I'm such a passionate believer that you need to build your network because it'll change your life. And that, um, you know, if you're an employee right now who wants to move up in the company, you need to look around that company and figure out now who inside the company and who outside of the company you need to be building relationships with. And you need to build those relationships long before you're going to need those relationships. Yeah, it's the old book, uh, and I forget the name of the author, but Dig Your Well Before You're yes. Thirsty. Harvey McKay yes. came back to me. Uh, but that's yeah. what we were talking about there is dig your well long before you're thirsty. And, and I agree, your network will change it. Uh, I had a gentleman one time I was coaching with him, and he was um, he was pretty high up in IT. And I asked him what he really wanted to be. And he goes, I want to be the CIO of IT of a major company in the area. And I said, do you have any friends in, that, uh, in the CIO range that are, are there? And he goes, no. And he says, and I don't really know how to, how to get them. And so by... I asked him, I said, have you ever reached out to one of them and said, hey, can I buy you lunch and what are some of the keys of success for you and your career and things like that? And it kind of dawned on him. You could kind of see the light bulb go off. God, I really thought of just you know, calling them up, asking them if I could do this and seeing if they would have lunch with me and then all of a sudden your network has expanded. And I just think that's such an yeah. important key um, going forward. Just, it's just a great uh, concept. And that's, that's what we're really talking about there is, is the power of your network uh, going forward. And so... Uh, and I think one of the important keys uh, on engagement, I wrote a book a long time ago called uh, My Best Boss Ever. I interviewed literally about 200 people and asked who their best boss was and why. And one of the things that you're talking about is the great bosses uh, engage folks because they make that person, uh, they, they, they talk about, I'm going to help change your career to a positive perspective. Do you see that as one of the keys to also with engagement of employees where that person kind of pull, brings someone under their wings and say, I'm going to help you be successful? Uh, you know, have you, is that one of the strategies in the book, and have you seen that as being successful for, for organizations to do that? Yeah, you know, um, there's, a, there's a piece that I write about in the book. There's a CEO that, um, that I interviewed, and he really took this on as his um, main mission. I mean, he chose a group of high potentials every year, and he made it his number one job to invest in them and invest in their careers and to literally have those conversations, but as you said, very much make it clear to them that they were important to the company, he valued them, and he was going to help them get to the next level. And what was fascinating um, about it was that this is something he had practiced since he had literally started the company 30 years ago. And, um, and something like, I can't remember exactly the statistic, but it's in the book, something like 80% of, um, of the high potentials that he had chosen that he had invested in were still with his company. You know that wow. he um, that and he was even getting a really good track record with um, with millennials. I um, mean, you know, everybody talks about something being wrong with this younger generation, which always makes me laugh because, what, you know, my father complained about my generation. I just think it's what we do, you know. And um and uh, um, but but really kind of taking those steps. But you know, the flip of that, you just made me think about something in a 
um, because I coach a lot of high potentials. I run high potential leadership programs. And the biggest thing that I am discovering, the biggest, whether, it, the, whether it's younger women or younger um, men, is that they don't know how to manage up. And a lot of my coaching sessions focus around there's some kind of fear that they're going to be bragging, that they're going to be doing this, but that this not, not understanding how to take what you're doing and making sure that the light gets focused on that, not only so you can help yourself move forward, but also that you can shine the light on others on your team. But that somewhere along um, in the last, I don't know, five or ten years, we've lost this understanding about learning to manage up and a lot of my um, coaching sessions. In fact, I finished a leadership program two years ago, and um, that was the crux of it. I had to work one-on-one -on -one with these 12 folks on that more than anything. And um, the CEO will run in another leadership program. She's promoted eight of them um, wow. uh, so far. But a lot of it is because they took the bull by the horns and made sure that their CEO knew they wanted to move forward. They found out what else they had to learn to do to move forward and made sure that their highlights, the things that they were doing, got focused so that the CEO could make a truly informed decision. And I think that's – I think if you don't know how to do that, you need to go find a coach to help you how to do that. It's critically important to your career. I agree so uh, wholeheartedly because uh, in a book that I wrote on uh, my best boss ever, I asked one guy, he was on a plane. I interviewed a lot of people on the plane because you've got an hour with them or yeah. so. Or, and yeah. it's amazing who you, are, who you get. But I interviewed one guy on a plane, and he goes, I'm really busy. I don't have time to share something with you because I'll tell you one thing about my best boss. And he says, my best boss was more interested in promoting me than promoting himself. And that's wow. really what you're talking about here is that, yep. that change in mindset of, I want to see you be successful, and guess what? If I help you become successful, I'm going to be uh, incredibly successful. And I think that's, uh, yep. that's an important key uh, to the process. Helping, so what I'm really hearing you say is when you help others grow, you grow yourself. Yeah, and, and, and exactly. And, and for leaders to understand today that there is nothing on your plate, absolutely nothing, that is more important than developing the people around you because they're the only competitive advantage you have left. You are preaching to the choir. That is exactly <laughs> right. Uh, I had a CEO yeah. of a, a, a top company tell me one day, our only competitive advantage is to outlearn our competition. We've got to be able to grow and learn faster than our competition. If we fail to do that, we're going to fall behind. And that's really what you're talking mm -hmm. about there is you've got to outlearn the competition. I just think that is absolutely terrific. As we wrap up this podcast, what's one or two other key points you'd want to leave with folks about your book, Own It, which I just I love the title, Own It, Be Responsible, Take Responsibility. But what are two or three things you'd want to leave people with uh, from your book to say these are really powerful ideas, high leverage ideas that will help you be better in your career? Yeah, I think the uh, one of the ones that I'm really passionate about is that leaders need to learn to lead through the power of the question. Um, you know, once somebody joins your organization, they want to be a part of it. But what I find is, as leaders, we're not creating the culture to allow them to be a part of it. And so um, I always say to leaders, the question of what belongs to you, what goals do you want to um, accomplish, what things need to be done by the end of the year, even what customers do you want us to attract and bring in. But the question of how belongs to your team. Because when you ask people how, you simultaneously give them voice and responsibility. People support what they help create. And I would rather see a weak idea 
um, at, implemented by the people who own that idea than an unbelievable piece of brilliance that's driven top down. Because it isn't so much what we're doing, it's so much more how we're doing it. And we've got to create that culture that allows other people to be a part of it. Mm. I love that uh, because the, the power of the question, and we're going to talk about that in the next podcast on how to use questions to coach effectively, but you're, you're exactly right. The power of the question is so incredibly important. And, and, and I wish more managers would do that. I see so many managers make the mistake of trying to tell their staff what to do rather than yeah. say, here's our challenge. How would, you, uh, how would you do it differently? How would you improve on it? How would you polish it to make it work? That is absolutely mm-hmm. excellent. Meredith, I am so delighted to have you on the podcast today. I know you've had just tremendous success, and Own It will do it. Uh, will also have uh, bring you greater success. I want to say thank you for being on the podcast, Coaching for Potential Today, and I love the ideas that you've, you've brought to us. So thank you very much for being here today. Thank you. I have really enjoyed it. Thank you, Meredith. Thanks for listening to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join us next time for another discussion about the power of coaching. This has been a KCTK production produced by Paul Lavoda and Rory Rowland. For more information and content, visit RoryRowland.com.